Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Teacher Talk Tuesday. As always, I'm your host for today's podcast, Dr. Johnny Cruz Craig. And I also serve as the National Project Director for the DTEC TAG program. This podcast serves to encourage teachers to express their educational experiences, research, and advocacy work. And it looks different from every different educator. As we use this platform to inform, inspire, and develop communities of support, we start to look forward to the conversations that allow this exchange of ideas to happen. We're very excited to announce that we're now on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. And it's, we're also still on SoundCloud, so we're really excited about that. Go connect with us on those other um, platforms. Now, whew, this is a very special episode. On this episode, we're joined by Brian Bryant a fifth-year educator who is now an elementary school teacher in DeKalb County, Georgia. Thank you, Brian, for joining us today. Hi, Dr. Craig. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited. Yes. I'm going to start by asking you um, how you developed the idea for incorporating technology into most, most of your lesson plans and how your students initially responded to that. And, and I'll preface that by saying, um, first, um, explain to the listeners where you serve, what grade level, and what content area, if you don't mind. Almost oh, definitely. Thank you for having me today. I serve in the Cap County School District as the fifth grade social studies teacher at Stone Mountain Elementary School, the home of the Pirates. And Dr. Sharshinda Covington is the proud principal. I'm glad to be there. And to say that te how technology um, became a part of my pedagogy is has to go all the way back to my grandmother. My grandmother was very big on education. She did not allow me to miss a summer. She made sure that I read. She made sure that I did my math. We would go back and forth <laughs> to make sure that I knew how to count money. Um, and if she let me go through a summer where I didn't read because reading um, comprehension was so big and such a struggle for me, she regretted that for a long time. So she made sure that I was reading and continuing to do that. And so that led the way for music and technology because with those two forms, I began to think of education and learning on a bigger spectrum. So I started to add technology in my classroom about a year or so ago, and I would use Google Classrooms. I would try to blend in learning pedagogy. I would try to flip classroom where students would go home for homework and get the mini lesson in on, on video, and then they'd come and do small groups with me because they already looked at their work in the mini lesson. And I tried different things like that. And then this year, after attending the Georgia Educational um, Conference for, and Technology for Teachers and Educators, Educators, I decided to even implement more technology in the classroom. When I began to do that, my students, they, they enjoyed it because for social studies, for a lot of them was like the most boring subject ever. And so in order to, to get their attention, to hook them as, you know, our educators and our administrators ask us to do in our framework, I knew that I needed something that they could relate to. So whether that was Instagram, whether that was using their Chromebook, whether that was using their phone, I needed something to grab their attention, to let them know 
that social studies was not just the past. Social studies is how we use technology. Social studies is how we use technology to learn and to communicate with people in regards to the past and to the present and well into the future. So when I initially uh, used it in the classroom, students were open to it. They were very glad that we were doing technology and they were very glad they were using apps to, to make learning a little bit more fun and enjoyable. Awesome. That is awesome. That is so amazing. Um, I love how you say, you know, you, you learn that you have to hook them and it goes to show that you really understand your content of social studies as well, because I know I can be very honest as a child that I did not like social studies. I didn't want to learn nothing about <laughs> It was boring to me, and it's because of how it was presented to me. I got a textbook, read this chapter, do these questions, right? So you know, as an educator, that's not a way to hook your students. So you had to hook them. You say you had to make it relatable. And I also have a question about that. When you're creating your lessons, you know, to hook them, to make it relatable, to include music and to include technology, do you also see that you may have to go across interdisciplinary lines somewhere in there? Like it may be a little science, a little math, a little language arts, a little reading. Like, how does that show up? So, you know, it, that's a good question because especially when we talk about, uh, when we talk about our, our, our present situation with COVID-19, mm -hmm. it shows up so much. Um, when we were going through the unit about um, the, 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 the turn of the century, fifth grade in, in Georgia, we talk about the turn of the century, late 1800s to the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. We talk about Westward expansion and we talk about the black cowboys of Georgia. Um, when we talk about different inventions that are made, that's when science came into the social studies classroom. Mm -hmm. And I was able to really cross over into the science um, curriculum and with the science teacher and, and talk to my students that social studies is much broader than history. Social studies takes all of the other subjects and comes in and brings it all together. Mm -hmm. And so when we went and talked about those inventions, I was able to even go into ELA and we read about different articles about how children were inventing different things to help um, children their age, children that needed the extra help and how technology is a tool to help people live life a little easier. And so social studies is, is the main, really the main classroom. I wouldn't say it's the only subject matter, but it is the main classroom where the teacher can use the standards, but also expose our scholars and our future leaders about how uh, being a part of this society requires science. It requires science to answer some of the big problems of war. It requires science for President FDR to answer the question uh, and to kind of come up with a solution about World War II, when he had to make the decision on whether to bomb uh, Hiroshima or not to. So it took science, it took him to have a team, a task force, to talk about this big decision that he had to make. So, you know, in the social studies classroom, it takes this interdisciplinary um, mm -hmm. perspective teacher in order for our students to realize that we live in the 21st century and it takes all subjects to come up with a solution when we have yeah. a conflict and that's you know who that right there is called critical thinking right yeah. yes it is <laughs> it's called critical thinking and that that's so good thank you for sharing all of that i really appreciate it because um as we move into the onset of COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, it has undoubtedly changed the lives and routines of students, but it certainly shifted how their parents and families live as well. Yes. 
So um, I have a question, but I want to take um, that particular segue and tie it back to what you said about interdisciplinary. Because, you know, as we were thinking, I had that thought, you know, parents are at home, parents are frustrated, parents really don't know what to do, all of these different subjects. I believe if parents can even open their minds and understand the interdisciplinary lens of school and how everything goes together and it has to be a relatable, you got to hook them. You know, some of the things that are happening in the home can become lessons such as what, cooking, washing clothes, um, sorting clothes, all kinds of things you can do. Um, you know, you can fold clothes and do symmetry. You can do all kinds of stuff at home using some of that interdisciplinary lens. But for there you, I have, go ahead. No, very true. I'm, I'm agreeing with that because one of the um, last units that we covered in some studies was about how to be a citizen. What is it? What are the responsibilities of a citizen? And mm -hmm. so not that so now that our scholars are at home, how are they responsible citizens within their family structure? Are they helping out with the with the home? Are they are they sharing what they're learning with their parents? And, and and knowing that the learning does not only reside in the schoolhouse, but it goes to the house, their mm -hmm. house. Yeah. It goes to the street. It goes to if mm -hmm. if any of them grow up and be in politics, it goes to the White House. It goes to the mayor's uh, office. It goes to the the downtown area where people are making these critical decisions. That's, that's awesome. So a more direct question for you is how have you focused on supporting parents and encouraging them to be more involved in their children's schoolwork? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think one of the truths about education and being a, an instructor and a teacher is that we forget that the, the child, the teacher, and the parent, there's a bond that must be there in order for our scholars to really be successful. Sometimes parents aren't always there. And I think it gets to your question and I'm gonna uh, lead to what solution I came up with or our stole, because a lot of educators, we just borrow ideas from other educators. <laughs> what are the solutions? What are the solutions that I came up with and I wanted to use was to use social media in order to get our parents more engaged. Uh, one of the challenges that we have at our school is that we um, don't have a lot of parents to show up for PTA meetings. And when it comes to like fifth grade meetings or grade level meetings, a lot of parents don't show up. Now, they may show up for parent-teacher conferences, but those other events, sometimes it's a little difficult for them to show up. After I attended that Georgia uh, conference for educators and technology, one of the presenters talked about using Instagram as a way to connect with parents. I used Instagram for communicating with my parents and I was having live conferences and live meetings with parents via Instagram. We were working on our fifth grade social studies fair and I wanted to make sure that all my students and their parents had an understanding of how important this fair and this assignment was. Mm -hmm. A lot of parents, about 10 to 15 parents, they joined in on the um, meeting via Instagram. And so they were able to talk with me, ask me questions. I was able to explain to them. And these are parents that don't show up at any meetings. They were able to, because they already have Instagram on their phones. So they went to Instagram. They looked for my, um, my handle, my profile, and they clicked live, and they saw me talking with them. And that mm -hmm. was promising because it was as if technology was the bridge that we could, you know, we both walked over to get to each other. 
Yes, I love that. And you know, when you sharing that, it's it's really exciting to me because I, I um I, I left the classroom, the, the actual district that we're talking that you're in right now in 2014. The year before that, I think it was 2013, 2012, around in there. I was pushing to try to use Twitter in my classroom. I got so much pushback. So I found uh, out a little okay. Um, you know, a lot of parent concern because, you know, social media and, you know, I understood that. But, you know, it was working. I was, I taught science. So I was doing stuff like tweeting or, you know, we was putting little hashtags there. If it was a science question, they would tweet it out and somebody could answer them. They retweeted, just starting conversation there. But I love how you incorporated Instagram to connect with your parents. Because yes, most parents are on social media. There, yes, they are. They're there, and they want to see their children's work. You know, you of course you have to get permission from the parents, but they want to see. Oh, oh, my child is featured there this this time. Oh, cool. Oh, my child did this hashtag or did this tweet, and, and it's amazing that you said that because today, like Twitter, is the place to be for educators. It <laughs> is the main place to be for educators they share ideas they have think tanks and it's just amazing how much technology has evolved for education in the few in the past few years yeah it past. is it's amazing it's amazing mm -hmm. especially in today's time and you know how we had to sort of abruptly move to more of uh, just really depending on distance learning so yeah technology is huge so now because you've incorporated technology into your lessons for so long, your students are probably quite comfortable and familiar with distance learning. For teachers who are getting acclimated to connecting with their students through a computer screen, what advice would you give them to keep their students engaged in the content? Okay, that's a great question. I think sometimes as educators, I am, I'm guilty of this. We like to do a, a too much at one time. So my my number my number one advice would be to stay with one or two apps or programs, um, master those as you model for your your students and your scholars as you model and explore the benefits, the pros and the cons of these apps and these different websites and programs. There's so much out there. I would say master one or two and have your students master that. Also, number two, I'd say be vulnerable. Tell your students and your scholars, I'm going to try something new, guys. I want to try something new, young men and young ladies. Can you, you know, I want to um, use this app for this unit. And I want us to learn together on how to do that because then it opens up the door because you may not know that some students may already know. They may know more than you know about an app. So it's like you want to be more, you want to be vulnerable and, and fess up to mistakes and learning curves. And as you do that, students are more willing to forgive you for something that you have already um, agreed and confessed to doing. Um, and I would say number three is go online and find different professional development videos on YouTube or whatever you have to learn more about something that you want to use in the classroom when it comes to technology. There are groups on Facebook. There are uh, specific people on Twitter that you know, they really, really do this for a living. They love this, and this is a passion of theirs. Um, and so if you follow them and stay in contact with them, they can ask, answer questions and give you free feedback and free resources um, that will help you grow. And that's what happened to me as I went to that conference in Atlanta, Georgia, that helped educators in technology. 
that is absolutely amazing what you just shared. Listen, so we need to put that on some type of graphic and put it out on our social media for Teacher Tip Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that, you did. That was a lot of wisdom. That was a lot of wisdom. And I like how you concisely broke it down, you know, even for parents to understand, other teachers to understand, students to understand, because that's where you get your greater impact is when you got greater understanding and buy-in. So I love the link that you're buy-in. coming from. Yes, ma'am. Buy-in. And buy-in is, is very important, too, because students can say, oh, here's Mr. Brown again with another app. Oh, here he goes again. Whether than having that, because then that will lessen the buy-in, whether than having that um, response from students, I'll give them the opportunity to create with those apps as well. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to use technology as a means to an end to make sure that students are mastering our standards, but it's also tapping into student creativity when students mm-hmm. can take hold of an app or a program and then create, whether it be music, whether it be art, whether it be writing, whether it be a scientific um, uh, experiment give them the opportunity to do that and then they can grow as well along with you as you absolutely. grow with that and ab- absolutely and I, I again this is a really rich and robust conversation and I, you know the more you talk the more i really see how you have to you know people everybody students parents everybody got to align and when it comes to teaching our children we have to allow them to be able to talk write down and share their processes because that's when we will be better able to identify the missteps in their metacognitive processing. So I think even being at home, you know, if writing is incorporated more at home and someone actually reads it, right? Right. I think that's another tool that, you know, we can use in this season. So yeah, thank you for all that wisdom. That was absolutely amazing. So guess what? what? You are the first male educator to join us on this podcast. Oh, wow. In your experience as a black male educator on the elementary school level, and how have the administration, parents, and students responded to your presence when they may have little to no experience of what being taught by a man is or like? Well, that's a loaded question. I, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my principal, Dr. Shashinda Covington, at mm-hmm. my school at Stone Mountain Elementary School. Yes, what she has done is she has ensured that there is at least one male teacher on each grade level. So there's like one mm-hmm. grade level that more than one male teacher. Um, and so my school, we, we, we embrace our kids. And it's great because I'm the only male teacher on the fifth grade team. And so knowing that elementary school, a lot of it's predominantly, you know, there with women in education and more power. I, I really, uh, hats off, my grandmother was an educator, hats off to, all the women who have poured into me because I honestly wouldn't be here today without them, without a Miss Reed, my fifth grade teacher, without Miss Moyer, my fourth grade teacher. And I can keep naming them all. Yeah. But being a male teacher, it, it gives you gives me the opportunity to be a father, a fatherly figure for students that may have their father at home or who may not have their father at home, who may be dealing with some issues when it comes to being a young man growing up in the 21st century. Um, It's given me the opportunity to mentor young men, to give them a space to be, to give them a space to express themselves, um, Mm -hmm. and give them the space to create. I'm big on creation and music and technology. Um, And so it's given me that, to give them the validation to be who they are. Mm. Um, And I'm not a person, I'm not a teacher who is um a yes teacher oh it's okay he's okay he's okay no i'm going to challenge you because i, I like challenging 
my, my female students and my male students. And I want to see them grow and let them know that I'm here for the betterment of their education and their formation and development. And I want to know, I want them to know that being out there in the real world is going to take some oomph. It's going to take some grit. Yeah. And I want you to know that here, you, I need you to develop that grit before you get to middle school, before you get to high school, and before you get to college or wherever you go in the job force. I, I want to be able to be that integral part of that. And for those um, parents that um, haven't had a male teacher for their student before, my prayer, my hope is that I'll be a positive male figure. Um, I didn't have a, a male teacher in elementary school. I had a male teacher for PE. Um, and that was probably the only male teacher I had in elementary school. And then when I, once I got to middle school, I had a few more. In high school, I had a few more. So I want to be able to, before they get to those other levels, I want to be able for them to see me as, okay, Mr. Bryant, he was pretty positive. He was challenging, but I know that he cared for me um, and that he was there for me. So yeah. I, that, that's my hope. As, as a male educator. That's that's absolutely awesome. And thank you. That like all I heard in that response was love. Like in my head, all I saw was this huge heart full of passion, ready to just be this vessel to radiate this out to all of these male students who may otherwise not get it. Or even if they get it, they're getting it in a different way and they're being motivated and inspired through your life, through your word, through your, yes. you know, through your commitment. So look, thank you to your grandmama, right? <laughs> Most definitely. And like with her, I mean, with her, it was, I come from a military background. So mm -hmm. my grandma, my grandmother was in education. She mostly did educating um, adults, to, to, teaching them how to read. And then my grandmother, Ooh. I mean, my grandfather was a military man. He still is a military. He's retired. And so I had that military background and I had the education background. Ooh, that discipline. Raise that, that discipline. And with those two together, with prayer, that I was able to really, you know, offer myself to other other young people to, te to teach them and to help them learn. Amen to that. So really what I saw here is we got this now equation, discipline plus education plus prayer equals what? <laughs> we got to come up with that, that, that line right there. I like that. Yeah, I like that. We have yeah. to come up with that last part. Yeah, we got to come up with this, and we're going to talk about that one. So uh, this has been such a good conversation. I am so glad you're our first male. You're bringing a whole nother perspective, and your, your zeal and your passion for education is so contagious. So I just, I know everyone who connects to this and really listens will be so inspired. This is a fire. You're lighting a fire. Awesome. Yes, sir. As I close, um, what have you seen DTEC? tag doing that is aligned with your efforts to promote equity in education one of the things that i prize um especially the african-american community on doing is using technology and the arts to give people platforms with radio one with dr kathy hughes you know really pressing the pavement to do radio and have a, a voice for uh, African-Americans and do urban radio is has paved the way for you to do this podcast. And so I would say that you all with the podcast, you all are giving teachers the space to speak about their experience. Um, and so I really prize you all. And I, 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 I'd love to be on here again if I could, but it, it's something to see 
you all do this along with your research efforts, along with the, the Center for Research for African American Women, giving people the space to research and dig deep for what their heart is yearning for, for what whatever conflict or whatever need they see themselves filling in. I prize you all on doing that because it is, we're speaking the same language. We're Amen. in two different spaces, but we're still speaking the same language. And we have the same goal in mind. We have the same mission in mind in order for our youth and for those that are in education and those that are being educated to be the best that they can be. Yeah. Oh, you, that is so good. I love the way you concisely put that together. And that's what it's about. It's about the ebb and the flow. It's about unity. It's about understanding perspective and that perspective and per well, perception shifts perspective. So we have to open our eyes. We have to open our ears. We have to open our hearts to see things differently, hear things differently so that we know where the natural synergies are. We can link up and move together and that gives you greater impact. Most definitely. I agree with that. Yeah, so, well, you know, I have one last question. I said my oven was my last one, but this really is because in this COVID-19 phase, we're talking about technology and we both love it. Like, I know we vibe there, right? Technology is amazing. Um, one thing I want to say to people is don't be fearful of technology. I remember matriculating through my years and, you know, technology was in my face and I'm like, well, I can't be afraid of it. I have to learn it. And what I learned with technology is that it's hard to make a mistake on technology because you can always undo or delete, right? That's true. Very true. <laughs> so that was one thing I embraced that I want to encourage our listeners to. But but for you, in this COVID-19 season, and, and then that we have, we have various socioeconomic levels gravely limit the students' access to technology. So we know that's a growing conversation and narrative. How do you believe Definitely. schools can advocate for additional resources for its students? So the advocate, so I'd like to step, take a step back. So okay. as we are as we are defining what technology is, um, we have defined technology in the 21st century as being a computer, as being a laptop, as being a cell phone. And granted, that is what we've defined it as because that's the use that we've given. But I also feel like taking a step back with technology means that we're doing something different. That's the basis of technology. So for students that and this is mostly for the, my teachers that are listening, for students that do not have um, laptops and cell phones for them to complete work, technology is also getting students to look at the task at hand a little bit different. So for example, if while the Wright brothers were trying to be the first in flight to try to get this airplane up, they had to look at the situation differently in order to come up with a solution. So I'm saying that to say, if, if our regular routine is okay, log on to Google Forms, you're gonna do this quiz. Maybe we need to look at these tasks a little bit differently. How about journal? How about journal what you feel about what's going on today? How about draw a picture? So technology is not just the hardware that we're using, it's also mm -hmm. thinking differently about what we're trying to teach and what's the end goal of what we're trying to teach. Um, and I feel that teachers can get those that are on the front lines in government to advocate um, for technology by thinking about the arts, okay? So the arts themselves, when it comes to music, when it comes to writing, when it comes to drama, when it comes to um, cooking, the culinary arts, when it comes to the, the plethora of art forms that our scholars are engaged in, it helps for advocators and those advocates to speak about technology in a way that is not in a vacuum. 
that technology is is used in these specific art forms in these specific ways and it allows our students to not only be creative but it allows our students to function on a different critical thinking level when we think about bloom's text bloom's taxonomy when we think about creativity it's at the top and and so we we're thinking on on levels that aren't just for oh well technology will help our students perform better on standardized tests yep that's great yeah it will but technology will also give a will give our kids the key that will unlock the door to creating solutions for conflicts that are here today and that they will face tomorrow yes yes sir yes sir that is such a word that is a word and really i love again how you twit you you said you got to put another lens on it you got to expand the definition of technology you got to get people to see it different so that they know that they're doing it different because basically it is critical thinking and you said something about technology and you know we have to not look at it as just hardware and in my head when you said that i was like yeah that's right because the critical thinking comes in when people build the software right all right so since we kicked off this last year we've touched on advocacy and action teacher efficacy through educational endeavors and literacy acquisition special education and mentorship to name a few for more discussions like this y'all you can listen to our podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify google play and soundcloud while you're listening, leave us some feedback. Engage with us on our social channels. You can um, find us on Facebook at DTech Change Agent. Um, we're DTech Change Agent on Twitter and at DTech underscore change underscore agent on Instagram. Um, Brian, thank yes. you so much. Thank you so very much. We enjoyed this. Can you share how other educators can access your resources and stay connected to you? Sure, they can reach me on Instagram and Twitter at Dr. Ed Tech Scholar. So it's D R E D Ed Tech T E C H Scholar S C H O L A R. Dr. Ed Tech Scholar on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, so y'all got that Dr. Ed Tech Scholar on Instagram and Twitter. Connect with him. You heard this conversation. We appreciate you sharing from your heart in such a way that I believe that the audience will truly feel and can even understand what you were talking about. Many, many shifts here in this conversation. So everyone, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you catch us on the next episode.